0: Boom, the boys are back, and we are live from a location. We'll talk about that here in a second. But Blitz Month marches on, and it was time. Uh, weirdly enough, I don't know if it's weird, um, but the highest rated and the most downloaded episode we've had all off season was this, man. I could not hold off any longer. I crave those downloads. I crave the uh validation from outside sources even if none of it has to do with me. It is the Lord of the numbers and the nicest guy I know, Jimmy Goheen, aka K S U underscore fan, coming in for his Blitz Month preview. Jimmy, how are you doing on this Saturday afternoon? And are you prepared? It's a week earlier than it was last year to give your Blitz month predictions. Are you going to shine bright like a diamond and excel in all your picks and predictions just like last year?
1: Well, Scott, the goal is to become the best version of myself that I can be. Like, we've learned that that's what your goal should be in life, is to become the best version. And really, this podcast is about being the most together Bosco Boys podcast that we've ever seen.
0: So if that is any sort of precursor, a rampant gambling uh, scandal is going to take place uh, within the program of Bosco's Boys podcast. uh, And we will never, ever reach the highs that we once did. Uh, For those of you who did not pick up on that reference, that was a beautifully executed dig at Matt Campbell. Uh, We'll see if we can reach... uh, in any way to make fun of the Cyclones and their rampant gambling addiction, including gambling on yourself to lose, only to then beat Texas by 27. Which only
1: Iowa State can do that. Th- that only is, Iowa State can that do that. That is
0: the most Iowa State thing possible. Um, we're coming live second straight year from Manhattan Brewing Company, uh, the greatest brewery in the state of Kansas, and I think the region. I'm drinking a delicious golazo, and you're having from the tap a Bullet Manhattan because they just started a great partnership with Bullet Bourbon. Um, Jimmy, I don't think that there's a better place in the world to record a podcast.
1: This is a solid spot, good good spot on points, uh, great brewery. I do like the Manhattan. Very good job by uh, Manhattan Brewing Company getting this partnership going and uh, enjoying a little Manhattan, a little Bullet Manhattan, solid whiskey, one of my, probably in my top 10 bourbons that I'd like to drink. So it's good stuff. It's my
0: favorite and I think it just works out great that they have that partnership. They actually have a aged stout Uh, The Thick Boy, which I might have to get even though it's back in, like, the high 90s again. I thought we (laughs) made it through that. And me being a long-sleeves, year-round guy, uh, it's a rough day for me. uh, But I am who I am, and I'm not going to apologize for it. So I am going to pretend that it's maybe November and get the Thick Boy Stout as my next one. I'm having the Golazo, which is the beer they brewed with the women's soccer coaching staff. Absolutely delicious I could crush probably a whole keg by myself watching some Wildcat soccer, Wildcat football, volleyball, you name it. We just need to uh, sever ties with the largest conglomerate of breweries in the world and get Manhattan Brewing Company inside Bill Snyder Family Stadium and all the other spots. Um, I'm looking forward to this. Again, this is always, I, I think, no shade to everyone else who will come on Blitz Month. We still have some great guests including I think maybe a first-time-ever Blitz Month contributor later on this month. But, Jimmy, you're always my favorite to talk to about this. Um, Hopefully – I know you. I know you probably had most of the research already done for all the questions I was going to ask. So I'll just ask something completely off the wall that you haven't (laughs) predicted. At what point on the calendar does it really start to feel like football season is – uh, to quote one of the funniest tweets of all time, Eminent.
1: Well, well, for me, since I coach high school football, it'll be Monday when we start practice uh, in Kansas. So that that's really the day where it, it hits me that we're that close to football. And then as we see more, you know, really a little bit this week when, when Kleiman had his first press conference and hearing him talk about actual practice and not just preseason stuff and summer stuff at Big 12 Media Day is another sign, but for me it's going to be Getting into, into football practice this week myself as a high school coach yeah. and then getting more reports. Uh, it's nice that we have a staff that puts more stuff out there that we get to hear from uh, assistant coaches, that you know we get more and more information, uh, which will be fun to watch. And then uh, as that first game week approaches, then it will really hit home.
0: Yeah, and, and I don't want to turn this into like making fun of the previous staff or anything like that because I'm accused quite often of doing that too much. But it, it is fun to – hear stuff come out of camp hear coaches talk hear players talk and then know when a depth chart comes out um that like there's players who are actually still on the team players that aren't out for like the season <laughs> like you can't ever trust a college depth chart like you can't give it a hundred percent accuracy rating but it's nice to at least be able to confidently give it an 85 percent rating
1: yeah I, w- I would agree with that it's it's nice to have solid information and, and- And and coaches that really like to engage the media, I think, uh, which is is a good change from from where we were in the past.
0: Yes. All right. Let's get into it. And and I'm starting with about as broad as I'm going to get. And I think that usually yields a lot of good information from you. But year one one under Colin Klein, uh, where was the offense compared to Coach uh, Mess?
1: That's a good question.
0: Um, That's actually the third question I had. No, let's actually go to how I had it outlined. Okay, see, this is what I, I get got for not printing it all. I guess. You, you. know, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I wasn't prepared. I wasn't a Boy Scout. <laughs> I wasn't prepared. Uh, but year one under Colin Klein, where was the offense most efficient, and where uh, do you think that they fell short a little bit?
1: Well, they finished number twenty in the F plus ranking, which which is what I consider the best uh, ranking out there for just for offense. Um, they were really good. Uh, Uh, With explosiveness, especially on the run and in the running game with the top 25 rush explosiveness. Uh, They were very good at uh, protecting against havoc plays. Havoc plays are tackles for loss, interceptions, uh, force fumbles, and sacks. So, uh, pass breakups is also in there. So, they were really good at that. They were in the top 15. Uh, 2.69 points per drive. They finished number 28 in the country. in the pre- predicted points added vers- via the run game, which is an efficiency stat. Uh, you'll see EPA, which Stats of War is a big, big uh, advocate of on Twitter, which I, th- I think is a good stat. They were number 30, so they were all top 25% of college football in those stats. Um, so th- those were the solid ones. The, the biggest weakness was success rate, uh, which is kind of an efficiency metric that takes into account First down and 10, second down. Down and distance. Down and distance, and, and how many yards you gain on a play. And they were only 59 overall in success rate last year and number 62 in the running game success rate. So they weren't great, pretty average, really, for college football. Uh, and the biggest surprise to me as I looked stuff up was they were only number 100, 112 in power success rate. Power success rate is how you do on third and fourth in two or less, or first and goal, and two or less. So they weren't great at converting in those two yards and less situations. Um, and then their pass success rate was number fifty-seven, and predicted points added was sixty-five. But that was kind of a mixed bag because of the two quarterback system uh, we used. And, and Will Hart, Howard it definitely improved while he was the quarterback.
0: So I, when when you talk about this, when I hear those things about the success rate. That tells me that we were leaning a lot on the explosive plays, yes. correct?
1: Yes, we were really good at explosiveness last year, uh, finished in the top 40. So it was a solid metric. And, again, like I said, in the rushing, explosiveness was top 25. So that's where they got most of the big, game, the big plays, and it helped them with the, in, in scoring and being more efficient with the points per drive metric. But uh, the consistency – Uh, wasn't the greatest as far as as, his success rate down and distance-wise.
0: Yeah, I want to give some credit to Cole Manbeck from 3Maw because I think he went through and charted or at least counted the number of explosive plays going back to 2012, and I believe he said that last year was our number one uh, season with most uh, explosive plays. I don't think he accounted for, uh, you know, Uh, explosive plays per play or took into account how many extra plays we ran last year for some of the previous ones, but that is exciting. And and I almost kind of think that that is what um, made K-State fans fall in love with that offense because I am going to go out of order because um, I I go back to that Messingham offense and and I think, uh, and my memory might be wrong, but it always was an efficient offense but it maybe lacked those explosive plays, and it definitely lacked any sort of pace uh, being one of the slower teams in the nation under that. So when you try to look at those, and I apologize for going out of order, um, but how do you kind of measure last year's offense versus the Courtney Messingham offenses?
1: Um, the biggest thing is is when you look at just Big 12 play, there's there's a major, major difference Um the, the final year of, of Messingham's offense actually finished number 26 in the in the F-plus ranking, so it wasn't awful. They also, uh, for the season, it was also at 2.69 points per drive, which equaled last year for the season. But in, in Big 12 play, there was a major difference. Uh, last year, K-State finished at 3.2 points per drive in Big 12 games only, which is the best in the Big 12. Uh, would have been in the top 10 in the country nationally. Uh, Mess' best uh Points per drive was 2.52 in Big 12 play in 2022, so that's that's a pretty big difference. K-State had a, a touchdown rate of 40% last year, so 40% of their drives they scored touchdowns on, and the best under Messingham was 31%, again, in 2021. And then the overall scoring rate last year, including field goals, K-State scored on 53% of their drives last year in Big 12 play, and then Mess's best was 42%. And then another one I look at is yardage rate, which is how many yards you gain from where you start to the end zone, percentage of yards. If
0: it's a touchback on uh, a kickoff, you have 75 yards to gain. So 75 yards is 100%. Yeah,
1: and K-State was at 58% last year, which also led the Big 12. Mess's best was 52%, which was in the middle of the league. So those are all, to me, tell a story on how much more efficient the offense got. Part of the credit goes to uh, Will Howard, I think, and his insertion into the offense. And then part of the credit, I think, goes to... Klein learning as the season went along. I think, for example, we talked earlier about the Tulane game. I think if at the end of the season we played Tulane again, I think it would be a much different story on how we ran offense, what we did, and the success uh, and scoring we would have had against that team. Although they were a very solid team. I'm not giving them any discredit. They beat us when they did, but I think you play them with Klein uh, Klein having more experience, it's probably a different story.
0: Yes, and I don't have it in the... uh in the outline but the climbing era playing g5 teams yeah uh it's kind of kind of a wild stat and of course we're not doing ourselves any favor <laughs> having troy receiving votes in the coaches poll i assume they'll be receiving votes in the AP poll i do the pod poll and i have troy in our top tw- in my top 25 so um absolutely wild yeah
1: very wild absolutely
0: wild, wild. um Let's get into the next one that I had in here. So if you had to pin down one factor on offense and one on defense, that if K-State thrived this year it would lead, lead to a successful season, what would those factors be?
1: Yeah, I would say offensively um, the biggest thing they need to improve is the success rate that we talked about earlier. I think we've become a much more better offense if we're getting seven or eight yards on first down and we're getting half the yards on second down etc to to bring that success rate up last year our success rate was just over 43 percent under 44 percent you really want that to be about 47 to 48 percent that gets you in the top 30 in the country and i think if you're in the top 30 in the country in success rate i think i expect us still to have some explosiveness even with deuce von gone because i think he was a key to our explosiveness so was malik Knowles. i think you mentioned cole's Stat 32 of the 64 20 plus yard plays came from Knowles and Deuce last year, so you do lose that, but you still have some big guys back. And then he pointed out, uh, uh our, our new running back I'm blinking, Trishon I'm Ward. Oh. Ward. Um, he had like 11 last year over 20 yards in his 95 carries, and Deuce had 13 and 200 plus carries. So Trashawn Ward could be that home run hitter type at the running back spot to replace Deuce, yeah, yeah, it, and then and then uh. Sorry about that, defensively, um, our, our, our defense only ranked uh, number 72 in predicted points added against the rush, and number 55 in explosiveness allowed against the rush. So I think we need to be more consistent against the run. Um, it's kind of crazy to say in a year where we're replacing so much in the secondary, but as you know, three mall guys talked about, we've talked about, you know, we kind of have this trust in, in Klanderman and Kleiman to, to fix the secondary and bring in guys that can play. So I think we'll get there. Um, Overall, the the pass defense was good last year, but they only ranked number 78 in explosiveness allowed. So they weren't great in in allowing explosive plays against the pass, but they were great everywhere else against the pass. So it kind of evened out. So those would be my things that I would want to look at.
0: It, It is wild that we all kind of collectively as K State fans are like, oh, yeah, you know, pass, defense, whatever. But when you go back and look at it, almost every single year, I think we graduate and move on from three out of our five starters at, yeah. like, the minimum. Because right? last year, I think you moved on all three of your safeties. I think the year before, you lost one corner, two safeties. Um, so so it kind of is like, oh, hey, you, you only lost two NFL corners, an NFL safety, and another safety you've played quite a bit. Oh, no big deal. It, it is kind of wild that, like, it's played out like that. I don't think yeah. that... That is, like, wrong to think about, you know? I, I don't think K-State fans are wrong to have that confidence in the secondary.
1: No, I think so. I think – and I think we've got some talented guys. I and mean, you know, uh, mentioned three safeties that he already likes there. So, I think the biggest question will be uh, what we do at corner. But I think we got some talented guys there as well. So, it's going to be the, – the, the issue you have with inexperienced players is – in the secondary, if you make one mistake, it can be a touchdown. A th- yeah. So that's that's the that's going to be the thing. Do they make that one major mistake that leads to a score? Which is you know probably will happen at some point. That may not have happened the last couple years with more experienced secondary players.
0: It, but, but even to that, it's still college football. Yeah. I mean, like you you have all Americans who are going to make those mistakes. That's just the nature of college football. Uh, but I'm looking forward to it. All right, um, the, the last one before we get into your predictions, because, again, I made you scroll all over and go out <laughs> of order. Um, you did a lot of charting, and, and I love this. This might be, like, my favorite thing that I've seen you put out on Twitter, on KSO. And it started, I think, when we had our last conversation, yep. and that is charting the unbalanced scheduling. Um, I, I actually, you know, I'm not trying to tell you what to do or add, like, okay, you know, workload to your life, 11 months from now but i think in the ongoing world where everyone is not playing everyone and you might have to do this for basketball too i'm sorry but but this might be some of the most like value add to the off season um and that is the scheduling so you charted it how is k-state's strength of schedule ranking against those other 14 for folks who may not have listened to our first conversation uh, you know, be- yeah. back in July. Which, if you didn't, you're like the only person who hasn't. Go back and listen, because you get a bunch of information on non-K State teams. But when you look at K State's schedule, how does it stack up against rest of the conference?
1: Yeah, it's in it's in the bottom part. Uh, if you just look at average preseason rankings of your opponents, which is all I did. It's not super complex, but I think it gives you a pretty good snapshot. Um, I would say we're essentially tied for the eighth easiest schedule, so, you know, that's more the tough, tougher side. Um, actually, by just the raw numbers, we're 11th easiest schedule, so it's one of the tougher schedules, but there's a bunch of group teams that are pretty similar. Baylor, TCU, BYU, K-State all have very similar schedules and how tough they're going to be. Um, we don't play three of the five weakest preseason teams in, in the rankings, Cincinnati, BYU, and w, uh, West Virginia, so that's a, that's a key part. Um, the key uh, other key part is the way schedule has two very tough road games at Texas and at Texas Tech, two of the top five teams or six teams by most people, plus you got Oklahoma State and Kansas. So you have some tough teams in there. Um, the home schedule is, is more favorable. TCU is our toughest opponent, followed by Baylor, so – You've got a very decent home schedule, but it's going to be tough on the road. And K-State did not get a good hand in the teams they don't play.
0: Yeah, and, and so th- that's a very good point. And I think some other uh, you know publications, and they might not be as analytical as you. They might be going off of eye tests. I've seen K-State listed as a top ten tough schedule in the nation by well, some well, metrics and some publications. Yeah. and then when you
1: throw in Troy and Missouri in the non-conference, that that does put it up there. Hell,
0: SEMO's being projected to win the Ohio Valley yeah. Conference. They're going to be a top 25 FCS team. It kind of goes back to a conversation that <laughs> you and I were a party to on Twitter. Playing a team like SEMO, that's much tougher than
1: playing like Bowling Green. Yeah, I'd, I'd, and I'd rather play a top 20 FCS team than a bottom 20 FBS team any day because I think it's better – You're going to get better competition. You're going to get better confidence from your opponent. Even because FCS teams now seem to beat FBS teams yearly. Uh, So it's not easy to go play those teams. And and they're going to be very motivated to play you, too, at your place.
0: Yeah, and it's not just FCS beating FBS. I think we're at a point where more seasons than not, you see at least one FCS Power 5 upset. Yeah, Uh, yeah. And, you know, hopefully it's not us. I tell you what, if if I were our friends up in Ames, Iowa, I would not be looking forward to that matchup with Northern Iowa because uh, they seem to struggle with that one. They do.
1: They have in the past.
0: All right. uh, Before we get into your predictions, and this is where you really excelled last year, uh, not only are we sponsored by Manhattan Brewing Company, where we are here today, we're also sponsored by the best vintage-made, fresh, officially licensed collegiate apparel maker in the country and guess what unlike some of those other places they're based right here in the midwest in kansas city missouri that is charlie hustle not only do they have two great nilts about to launch this month but they also are going to have an entire k-state football refresh line so be checking charlie hustle get yourself a couple t-shirts get yourself a couple crewnecks But save a little bit of that budget because they have some brand new T-shirts coming as well. Also, check out Bosco's Boys' Twitter account because we are giving away another K-State T-shirt from Charlie Hustle this week. So go to at Bosco's Boys and see what that contest is going to be. All right, we'll we'll talk about Will Howard here in a second. Uh, We typically have a... um, qualifier on this question and this year is you can't say Will Howard like I said I'll ask about him here in a second but outside of Will who would you tab to be the offensive MVP this year
1: okay good good question I'm going to mention names and then I will settle on one at the end
0: that's fine because I like you I'm not going to be like give me one name
1: so but an obvious answer I think would be Cooper Beebe but no one's going to give that to an offensive lineman I mean,
0: Which is a shame. It's a
1: shame, but I think he TV would be for highs. He would be my number. He would be a pick that makes a lot of sense because of his experience and his talent, and he's going to be a pro. Um, then I go kind of back and forth between DJ Giddens and Ben Sinnott. I think those two could have both have great seasons. I think Ben Sinnott could really blow up as a pass catching tight end, just as we saw him kind of grow familiar with Will Howard as the season went on last year. But I, I wouldn't get a. I'm going to go with DJ Giddens just because I think, even though we're we're going to throw plenty, I think, uh, Klein and Klein's offense is still going to be over 50% run. I think DJ and Ward are going to split time, but I think DJ ultimately will get more snaps because of his experience in the system, and he's a big back that can take a beating as opposed to Ward being a smaller size guy. So I think DJ Giddens. You mentioned. You know, you talked about some of the yardage you think he could have. I, I would agree with you. I think he's going to be at least 1,000 yard from scrimmage guy. Maybe push that even up to more 1,200, 1,300, 1,400 yards, depending on how much he's used in the passing game. So I'm going to go with D.J. Giddens as my MVP besides Will Howard.
0: I want to go back to D.J. Giddens, get a little bit of D.J. the Blue Jay. Always two words on the Blue Jay, Giddens. Um, some of the biggest plays he made and some of the highlights he made were – in the passing game, yeah. I, I think K State fans maybe are kind of getting caught up in this idea of like, oh, he's just going to be a guy who's going to, you know, four clouds, four yards in a cloud of dust. Um, and he also
1: averaged over six yards of carry. Oh yeah,
0: exactly, yeah. exactly. But like, you know, he had a massive catch at TCU in in the uh, when that game was going. Um, he's made. I think he made a big catch versus Alabama as well in the mm-hmm. Sugar Bowl, if memory is serving me correctly. He's a guy who can do it all, and that's not to take away from what Trayshawn Ward's going to be able to do in the passing game, but I do think that some fans are maybe like, oh yeah, you know, it's going to be thunder and lightning, you know, Ward's going to be the pass catcher, Uh, DJ Giddens is going to be our Ron Dane, but he can do it all, and and I think some folks are also kind of sleeping on his top-end speed as well. Uh, The more I hear coming out of Manhattan, and the more I go back and watch games the more I'm getting excited for DJ's sophomore season.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to watch him play. I think he's he's got a, a very high ceiling just because of his combination of size, power, and speed. Like you said, he is a fast he, – he's got plenty of speed to, to break plays and, and get in an open field and run. He had some you know long runs last year, some, some really great catches, like you mentioned as well. So I think he's just going to be expanding his role. Plus, he's really comfortable with the system after being here three years. So that's going to – in his third year, that's going to help him a lot.
0: All right, And the guy who I think 247 had as one of the top ten college quarterbacks coming into this season, a guy who is already at cult hero status among K-State fans, and I've been kind of championing this campaign that if he has the type of year that I think K-State fans are having, I'm going to be 45-46 on Twitter arguing with a college kid when they try to say that Will Howard was better than Colin Klein or Michael Bishop because I think he's going to have that big of a season. And, hell, he might take the Cooper-BB route and say, the NFL can wait. I want to play with my brother and come back next season as well. But Will Howard, first off, what a meteoric rise. As I wrote him off, I wasn't the only one. But uh, yeah. as the Aggieville Alleycats like to say, they were the only podcast that believed in him. Might not have been the only people. They're the only podcast, and they like to remind me of that. And I don't shy away from it. I, I completely own up to it. I was melting down when he came in down in Fort Worth, and then sure enough, he led us to our third Big 12 title ever. What sort of season are you going to expect, and what are you hoping to see from Will Howard this season?
1: I, I think he could legitimately be one of the top five passing seasons in K-State history. Um, there's only been two guys get over 3,000 yards passing. That's Jake Waters and Josh Freeman. Uh, so I think really if you look at his numbers per game last year, and the 13th game because of the Big 12 championship game, he, he could have pushed 3,000 yards last year had he played the whole season. So uh, I fully expect him to pass Chad May. Chad May had 2,682 yards and to be fifth. I think he also could push for the touchdown record as well, um, uh, L Roberson has that record at 24. So uh, he would he would he was on pace last year to throw 27 or 28 touchdowns. So I think it's not illegitimate to say he could be one of the all-time great passers at K-State. Plus, you know, he can run a little bit. I think they did a good job of limiting that with him um, once once he became the starter. But I think he's legitimately could go down as one of the best single seasons ever at k-state this season
0: so if if this were to be the final season for you this is kind of an auxiliary question i've asked to some folks what would he have to do to be in that conversation for number three number four k-state quarterback of all time depending on your thoughts about you know lynn dickey i kind of dismiss him because like whatever i could have been an all-american quarterback (laughs) back then i'm kidding i'm kidding i'm kidding. All of the aged, well-aged boneheads do not come and try to kill me for saying that. It was a joke. But I, I have it Bishop 1, Colin Klein 2, um, and probably Lynn Dickey, uh, 3L Roberson around mm-hmm. there, Daniel Sams has a shout for number three as well. Uh, but, but what would Will Howard have to do to be in that conversation and truly be like, okay, hey, he is number three. Um, because unless he's a Heisman finalist, I, I think the ceiling on him is three.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think if he pushes that three thousand yard passing mark, pushes that twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four touchdown mark, and K-State lands in Arlington again, he's definitely in the he's definitely in the top three for me. But I think I think the team success has to come with the individual numbers. So. I think K-State has to be at least in the Big 12 championship game and maybe win it again. But if he gets, if we're back in the Big 12 championship game and he's the starter, uh, that, that's a major factor. That's back-to-back appearances. That would be a major, major deal for K-State football.
0: Yeah, because he, he's going to have some of those longevity and accumulation stats similar to Skylar. Yeah. But as much as I love Skylar Thompson, uh, Will Howard getting that Big 12 championship, Um, That is what separates him from that class of Skylar. separates him from guys like, uh, you know, Jake Waters already, probably puts him having that championship, puts him in the conversation assuming this season goes even close to what is planned, like with Chad May, around Beasley, all those names. Having that opportunity to be the first modern-day quarterback to get two conference championships that would just be wild. I'm going to move on before like I pass out from a blood rush to my head thinking about back-to-back Big 12 championships. Maybe we'll talk about that again later. Uh, but let's go to the defensive side of the ball. I'm putting no restrictions on this one. Who's going to be the defensive MVP?
1: Yeah, I go back and forth between uh, Khalid Duke Duke, and, and Daniel Green. I, th- I think Daniel Green has that playmaking potential to be an Arthur Brown type. So I would say Daniel Green probably will be the MVP if he stays healthy and is able to play you know, three-quarters of the season or more. Um, I think he could put up some spectacular numbers, make some big plays, uh, and rack up tons of tackles just because he's the middle of that defense and, and has that ability to be such a playmaker.
0: I love that one, and I love that he came back. Again, long-time listeners know that we kept saying he can come back, but we don't anticipate him doing it. That was like the biggest surprise for the offseason for me. And uh, if he can stay healthy, I I think he's going to be the real deal. Um, Let's move on to the next one, one of my favorites, one of my two favorites. Everyone knows my number one favorite is the gauntlet question. But my my favorite this year is who could be that breakout player of the year on offense Um, because I think there could be so many different candidates. I'm calling breakout player either a newcomer or someone who hasn't had a major impact or started for K-State. So I think – if you wanted to double up, DJ could be a double winner for this one since he didn't start last year. But I'd be interested in multiple candidates from you if that's the route you're going to go.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't. I, I consider DJ plain enough last year not to be a breakout player. Although you know, I could see where some people would say that. I, I'm going to go with Keegan Johnson. Um, I think he's got the talent uh, to be special. Uh, Kleiman seemingly raved about him at the press conference as much platitud.e as he's going to give a guy. Um, Malik Knowles had 725 yards receiving last year which was the most in the climate era and the most at K-State since uh, Tyler Lockett um,
0: He had like another 150 rushing with like three rushing touchdowns as well Yes, he did I think he had more rushing touchdowns than receiving touchdowns I think he might
1: have, yeah No no one else under climate has gotten over 600 yards receiving I think Johnson is definitely going to push to be a 600 plus guy and maybe could surpass Knowles for the most ever in the climate era I think he's a guy that could really push that. Um, Other guys, I I would consider Sennett as not a breakout guy because he played a lot last year, but he could push that 500-yard boundary. I think Phil Brooks could push that 500-yard boundary, but I'm putting Johnson as the breakout guy, the newcomer that's going to be special in this offense.
0: Yeah, and just so the state of Iowa and their football players can catch a little bit more strays, It's a good thing that Keegan Johnson was the wide receiver we got from Iowa. Yes, not Arlen Bruce. (laughs) Yeah, instead of Mr. Bruce the fourth. Uh, Let's go to the next one, defensive breakout player. Again, a a lot of guys in the secondary and probably a pretty important guy anchoring the defense as well as candidates. Where do you land for this one?
1: I I go with Uso. I think uh, Sayamalu is the the key maybe to the defense just because he's replacing a guy that – you know, We talked about it, I think, last time, Eli Huggins and what he did in the middle of that defense. It's a key for the odd front to have a nose guard that can take up two or three guys per play, that can play 50, 60 snaps per game. Uh, we don't know if Uzo can do that yet, but I, I think he's got the potential to be able to do that. He's probably not a guy that's going to be putting up a bunch of stats. He's not going to have a bunch of sacks or tackles for loss or tackles, period. But he can make a ton of plays just by anchoring the middle of that defense and shoring up that defensive line and everything from camp so far has been solid on the defensive line. So I think he's he's got potential to be that kind of guy.
0: That might be the one player on defense I key in the most the entire non-con because if you're only a you know a ball watcher or a box score watcher, uh, the impact of defensive tackle, especially a nose guard in the three-three-five, yeah. you're not going to pick up on it. But I go back to like the early games of Timmy Horn, and I go back to that Big 12 championship game with Eli Huggins, if you watch what's going on at that nose guard position, they may not have like three sacks in the game, but the impact is seen. Um, and I want to see him absolutely eat them up, eat Simo and Troy up and hold his own versus Missouri. Um, and if, if that's the case, folks, I, I, think, I think the defense is going to be really salty. Uh, let's get into one, and this has been a tough one. This has been one where everyone so far has been all over the map, and I think everyone will continue to be all over the map. But who do you think is going to be the first or the true freshman or the first year student athlete that makes the biggest impact on this season?
1: Yeah, it's it's an interesting question because it's 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 just kind of hard to know when you know we got a solid recruiting class, we got a great recruiting class, I think for K State, well,
0: the, the best one like. Going back to at least the Ron Prince here.
1: Yes, Maybe for sure. Even
0: further, depending on which website you look at. Yeah,
1: I, I think it's very good, but but there still wasn't that like five-star guy. I mean, Avery Johnson's the biggest one, and he's not going to play more than likely, and unless Will Howard gets hurt. So then you got to go to the next guy, and then it becomes a little tougher. You know, it, it was funny because he wasn't hardly touted at all, but the guy that got all the Big 12 media pub was Austin Romaine at linebacker mentioned by several guys of being a guy that's gonna be a factor. But I don't know the linebackers pot is so deep. Uh, the one that has been getting the most publicity during camp and from, from Kleiman itself was Joe Jackson. And I think in this system they they'd for sure want to play more than one running back if they can, which, you know, with Deuce even even Deuce got tons of carries, but DJ got plenty and, and other guys have, have gotten their share while Kleman's been here with Deuce. So I think Joe Jackson does have a shot just because he's been mentioned so much. uh, He could be used in the return game possibly, so you never know where he could factor in, but I think he might be the guy that could step out and be the one that steps up the most.
0: I think we still have yet to have a repeat answer for that one, which I absolutely love. I think that's the first Joe Jackson shout-out. I'm starting to hear that in my initial instinct when some folks tried to say Joe Jackson is a burn redshirt candidate. My initial reaction was like, no, you have two legitimate bell cow types. You have a guy, Anthony Frias, who was a Juco guy. You have someone in shippers who scored versus Alabama. That's going to be a fun fact. He scored against Alabama. Um, and I, I think to myself, no, I, I don't think so. But you're right. After that first, like, I think they are, like, seven practices in. Mm-hmm. That might be the most consistent true freshman name I'm hearing. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I do love that. It's a fun problem. And when you go back to the running back room when Kleiman showed up to what it is now, what a ride that's been. Yeah. That's, that's been great. Yes all right now it is time for my favorite game or my favorite prediction my favorite question for every blitz month episode what is the pendulum game of the season and i when i wrote this i thought okay this is the most obvious game since we've been doing blitz month since i've had this question no one's actually said the game i've thought yet so i'm interested what game you have the pendulum game of the season
1: and it's always interesting to have the pendulum question because some people like to go way early some people like to go later and i I think it's got to be toward the middle but not too early Uh, i went with that texas tech because i think
0: that's and that has been a popular one the one in my mind still hasn't been said um i'm not going to say it on the podcast because i will go through my predictions here in a couple weeks but that's been the popular one and mine still has not been said
1: It's interesting. I'll be anxious to hear yours after we're done recording because I know you're going to reveal it yet. But At Texas Tech, I I said that because it's toward the middle of the season. Like I said, it's going to be one of our tougher road games of the year uh, besides Texas. Texas is later, so I didn't pick that one. Uh, We've won there a lot lately, but they've been a lot of close games. It's not like we've been blowing them out. Uh, We have what I think is a fairly favorable Big 12 start. I do have UCF as a sleeper team for me but it's at home, and I think that helps us a lot to get them at home early. Oklahoma State, I kind of think Gundy is doing like a lot of coaches do and stay at a place too long, especially in this area of football, and I'm not a big believer in Oklahoma State, and I don't think they have right now what it takes, and I don't know if he can build the culture anymore to be successful in modern college football, but we'll see, maybe he proves me wrong. Um, So that's kind of why I bypassed those games, And Houston I don't think is very good. We get them at home, I think we should handle them. So that's why I went with at Texas Tech.
0: I think – tell me if I'm wrong when I say this. I think K-State fans, and I might be basing this off of a throwaway comment or two on Twitter and on message boards, but I don't think K-State fans realize the absolute chokehold we've had on Texas Tech post Mike Leach. I believe it is 11 out of the last 12 – and seven of the last seven I think um, that's what it is it, it is like an insane amount
1: yeah we've we've won a, a, for sure five in a row I, I went back five years I had it written yeah. down somewhere but I, yeah, yeah we have we have owned them very consistently since Mike leach and we have won there we've won here usually we've won pretty big at home and then there's been close but we've won there consistently so it's it's been nice to, to have a handle on them
0: yeah I, I think Mahomes' sophomore year is the only one we've lost in this run. And then we beat Mahomes in his junior year, including a DJ Reed pick six. And I want to give a shout-out to Grant Nicholson, who was on play-by-play for student radio at the time. And that's his pinned tweet on Twitter. And I love going back and listening to his call of a Patrick Mahomes pick six to ice the game in favor of K-State. In Manhattan, so uh, that's that's a fun one. And again, I I have gone on with I think three Texas Tech podcasts at this point, low key, outside of obviously Texas and maybe TCU because I think they have TCU as well. They really had this game versus K State circled, not only because we won the conference last year, but because that long run of dominance. Yeah,
1: over. yeah, we've won eleven of twelve. Okay, 11 yeah, of eleven of
0: twelve, yeah. Hope we keep that going. Yeah. So that's like what outside of KU, that's our best run this century.
1: Yes. Or yes.
0: I guess I shouldn't say century. The, the last fifteen yeah, years. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Because I I think if you go out to the turn of the millennium, Iowa State's still in there. Yeah. They're in there.
1: <laughs> Besides that little run they had.
0: Yeah. I mean, whatever. I mean, the COVID <laughs> year doesn't count. So I don't know what you're talking about. They have like. One out of the last one we didn't even want to win the last game with bill snyder because if we would have won that who knows what would have happened i would say it's only beat k-state like one time this century that we actually wanted to win the game
1: yeah we've won 12 out of the last 15 so yeah
0: i mean yeah because they had had, like one versus ron prince we all wanted him gone we didn't want bill to hang on that final year and then the covid year doesn't count so
1: (laughs) pretty much it that's it yeah i
0: mean come on all right uh let's go on the record um, because I like you, I'm not going to threaten sending the bone he- heads to kneecap you if you change this anywhere else. Uh, but I do want at least as of uh, August 12th at 111 in the greatest brewery in the world, Manhattan Brewing Company. What is your record prediction for K-State?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think in my preseason picks that I did for KSO, preseason previews and picks, I think I have a 10-2. Sec- so I think that would be my pick. I think 9 and 3 could happen. Like I think if I was putting like the percentages, those would be my top 2. 10 and 2 or 9 and 3, one of those two. Um, so I am I'm, I'm I think the season's going to be good. I think they got a really good shot to be a solid team. So uh, a really good team this year and in a, in a league that I think K-State can make some hay in.
0: Yeah, and 10 and 2 in the unbalanced schedule does put this next question uh, in doubt who's playing in Arlington.
1: I, I I think with 10 and 2 and probably even with 9 and 3, I think K-State's in. And then I think I'm I'm we'll see if I'm right on this one. I think I'm a believer in Texas this year. I'm bullish on it a little bit just because is Sark the guy, but they've got lots of talent and uh, we talked in our first podcast about how close they were last year to being much better than they were. Uh, so I I would pick K State and Texas as the odds-on favorites.
0: Is Texas wearing burnt orange? I imagine then that first Saturday, and
1: it could be because I, I I do think I think they probably beat us at their place, kind of like TCU did last year.
0: All right, and then uh, you don't have to give this because it wasn't on the prediction sheet. But do you want to pick a winner in that game? I. Uh,
1: I would pick the Cats on a neutral site. Where I'm at right now, I'd pick the Cats on a neutral site.
0: That's what I love to hear. All right, and then we got two final questions. One is on your outline. The other one is very easy, so don't stress it. Of the four teams that came into the Big 12 this year, who's going to be the first to make it to Arlington? Uh,
1: I think there's two candidates, really, UCF or BYU. I think UCF is, is better positioned right now. I think they're in a great recruiting area. I think Malzahn is a good coach and has a good system. And they're set up this year to be pretty good as well. So I, I would put them as, as the team um, that has the biggest bump from their move to Power 5. And I think UCF could be a, a really tough opponent for the future of the Big 12.
0: All right. And then I think this one's easy. We actually kind of talked about it a little bit at lunch. I think they have a little bit more hubris than they should. Um, But correct me if I'm wrong, of the four incoming from the Pac-12, Utah's going to make it to Arlington before anyone else, right?
1: I would pick Utah because I think their program is in the best shape. Um, uh, Arizona's been rough. I I did compiled the rankings of each team coming in from and the current Big 12 for the last 10, 15, and 5 seasons, 5, 10, and 15 seasons. Arizona's rough. The one that surprised me a little bit was Arizona State. Is actually ranked kind of in the 40s and has had some decent seasons. Nothing great. Term
0: wasn't as Nothing much awful, of a disaster as, like, everyone like wants to believe. Like, it came, like, unraveled yeah. very yeah. fast because, I mean, breaking rules, just no regard yes. any anything in the world. And their AD's kind of yeah. kooky and a mean, little bit. So is their UP, <laughs> but yeah. – uh, Iowa State grad. Yeah. Shocker, right? (laughs) In in the least surprising move ever, the Iowa State graduate is an absolute whack job. Yeah, in the upset of the century, folks. Yes. Um, That's all I have on here. Um, As always, uh, tell the Boneheads or any K-State fans who are listening, uh, any projects you have working on Twitter or on KSO, where they can find you on Twitter and then say whatever you want.
1: Yeah, KS, KSU underscored fan on Twitter and on KSO. Um, I just, I've just, w- once the right realignment happened, I did a bunch of stats for the new Big 12 is what I'm calling it for now that will start in next year and kind of where teams are at, what, what what it looks like. So I put some of that out there on both KSO on Twitter, uh, just to kind of see where teams are at. I've uh, done some stuff, put some stuff out about the the unbalanced schedules on Twitter. Uh, so you can look at that if if you're interested in going back and finding those those images. Um, then uh, Derek on KSO is still rolling out our previews and our our picks for the preseason. I think we're up to UCF so far, so those will keep coming out on KSO, and uh, you can check those out there. Um, and then I'll once we get into to game weeks and, and Big 12, and I'll be doing the drive rate stats that I I think is unique to me. I don't think a lot of people. Fremont does a little bit on his site. Uh, BCF Toys. Um, but I, I think that, to me, is some valuable stats to look at once we get into uh, the season because of the different paces teams play at, and so so I'll be putting that out there during the season, breaking that down during games, and doing previews, um, and then looking forward to, you know, I, I heard some people talk about. It. I kind of wish the new Big Twelve was starting now. Like I, I'm excited to see these teams come in. I think your mark did about as well as he could have. I'm excited about the the direction of the league, uh, but but. For now, we got to look toward this season. I think this is, you know, the highest K State's been ranked uh, for years uh, in the preseason. So, looking forward to a possible chance for a team to go back-to-back Big 12 championship games for the first time in my lifetime, which would be a lot of fun.
0: Yes, it would be a lot of fun, and I can't wait. It's almost here, and uh, we're, we're going. We're going to have a show every day this week, working on hopefully a recurring pretty big guest hopefully we have that at some point this week i can't tell you whether it's going to be tuesday or friday or when it's going to happen i'm going to break down and talk about what i think are the five biggest storylines to follow all k-state football season long so be tuned in for that um so yeah it's another great week at bosco's boys and thank you Jimmy. It's always a blast having you on. You're my favorite guest. Whenever the show eventually ends, you will be the final guest we have on uh, as part of our uh, farewell tour. Um, except for maybe Grant. I'll probably let Grant yeah, on the final Grant, episode. Grant, Grant gets that. He's not a I guest. I He's I a co-founder and all that stuff. But thank you again for coming on. Thank you to our great sponsors, Manhattan Brewing Company, where we recorded this episode. Uh, so enjoy the ambiance and everything. I hope you guys feel when you listen to this. And this is why Grant and I originally started recording in breweries and uh, bars. uh, Because our conversations, when we decide we're going to do this show, it's like, oh, hey. This is what we talk about when we're at a brewery together, Um, and we thought that that would be a fun vibe. Now, ever since COVID happened, it doesn't happen very often. Actually, I think this is the first time since you and I were in Manhattan Brewing Company last year, but I hope it kind of gives a throwback. It gives a fun little bit of extra atmosphere and vibe. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. I'm hoping to get into Manhattan Brewing Company to do some more shows here soon. Again, check them out every time you're in Manhattan. I talked to a bonehead before we started recording. He politely was telling his liquor store to carry Manhattan Brewing Company. Now they have four packs of townie wheat every single week coming to their, uh, to their local liquor store. So if you do the same... You can get it. But remember, every time you come into Manhattan, get one or two crowlers, Get a couple pints. Hey, get a cocktail with uh, Bullet Bourbon. They have that great collaboration going on right now. So check them out. And then, of course, go to charliehustle.com. Vintage made fresh. We're going to have a giveaway going. If you're an early listener, if you're listening to this Monday morning, because I need to give Jimmy the number one slot. Monday's are our number one slot. He gets the number one slot. Um, if you're listening to it early, Check it out early afternoon, around noon, around 1. We'll have our giveaway uh, contestant rules, contest rules, and then you can be getting a free Charlie Hustle shirt winner announced on Friday. So, for Jimmy, for Manhattan Brewing Company, for Charlie Hustle, for my dog Chauncey back home, he's a good boy, the best dog in the world. We love you guys, and go cats. It's time to get
1: set for the cat attack.
0: You can feel it coming on, for Kansas State, the feeling's growing strong. You can join in the action, this is where you want to be, with Kansas State, come on, set your spirit free, Kansas State, our pride is with the cats, Kansas State, come on, join the